Welcome to the Cracked Pots podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And today we are going to be tackling the topic of religion and politics. Ooh. Be scared. <laughs> we are gluttons for punishment. <laughs> so pretty much I think the question is, um, what role does religion play in politics and what role does politics play in religion and where do the two mesh and where should the two stay very, very far apart? I think we're in a part in society where they stay very far apart in totality other than a few hot button issues when that is my issue on my side and my religion, and that's the only one we hold on to, I think. I think that's one of the problems with the, with the polarity we're current, currently experiencing uh, in the political spectrum as it relates not just to politics, but as it intersects with religion. Well, and I think, you know, if we, we look at, um, at least in the United States, you have what we call separation of church and state. Kind of. Kind of. Um, well, the thought there being basically is the you should not be imposing a particular religious belief on someone else. Um, I think it was uh, John Locke who said that um, a, a person's conscience cannot be forced. You can't force it, something along those lines, paraphrase. Um, and so the idea was that you cannot, the government cannot force uh, a religion on a particular, um, on, on the constituents of the United States. Uh, and then of course we get in our First Amendment, which is we then also have the freedom to express whatever religion we are. And sometimes those two butt up against each other. It's, it's dicey. Yeah. It's dicey right from the start. Uh, and yet you wouldn't really want it any other way. I mean, how else are you gonna, we don't live in a theocracy, we don't wanna live in a theocracy, at least I don't. No, we say, we say, we, you say we don't want it any other way, but I'm not sure it gets lived out that way. You know, we have debates about um, whether or not the nativity scene can be in public places or in government buildings. We have people that want the Ten Commandments listed on government buildings, and then we have the other side that says, no, they don't belong in those spaces. And it, so, I, again, I, it's one of those places where we're, at least on those issues, it's a little easier because typically those are, are Christians that, that want those things in the public spectrum and, and non-Christians are non-Christian brothers and sisters that don't want those things in the public, in the public spectrum, um, which at least is understandable. I think where it really gets confusing and, and gets complicated, especially to navigate as pastors, um, is when those things that we agree that should be in the political spectrum and intersect with Christianity, and we don't agree with what they are. Um, that's where it gets a little dicey. Yeah, and when we look at the fact that it, it gets difficult, because when we do look at Scripture, you've got politics all over the place. You've got the prophets constantly going after the political structures of, of their day, crying out, you know, justice. And when we have leaders who claim they're following the Christian ethic, of course we can call our own to account on those issues. I think we have the, um, the duty and the right to state, hey, this actually is not a Christian action. And, and that little thing where, you know, Caesar is God, 
Yes. Well, the entire book of Revelation is a political book from the standpoint of it is a resistance against empire. It is stay faithful. Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not. And, of course, I still think it's relevant in our day and time to be able to say, okay, well, who do we belong to? You know, our, where does that allegiance lie? Does it lie with the political system and our governmental structures? Or does it lie with Jesus Christ? Right. And how then does that get lived out in the public sphere when we live in a very pluralistic society in which we have a lot of different um, beliefs and religions and uh, a lot of people coming together with either a different view of God or no view of God? And how do we continue to stay faithful in the midst of that and look at our governing structures and how we live as a society and continue to say, but these are good things. Of course, we're drawing that from... <laughs> you, you, you asked the question, how does that get played out? Yeah. And I think the image that popped into my head when you said that was two-year-old with finger paint. Um, <laughs> it gets messy. Um, it gets messy because we... We, in some ways, we want to have our cake and we want to eat it too, and we want religion to be part of, you know, as Christians, we want religion to be intertwined in, in our lives, yet not always and not always in the ways we want it to and not want it to. And again, that's where, that's where we start, you know, running into those problems and where it does start to get messy. Well, and I mean, even if you are looking at some of the hot topics, you know, of today, when you look at, say, something along the lines of abortion. Oh, yeah, yeah. From well, I'm just saying, from you know, a, a very conservative Christian perspective, is it is murder, but for a Jew, it is not. Um, the Jewish perspective on this is that a the Bible actually gives license for when the mother's life is in danger to terminate the pregnancy, and when um, she's potentially committed adultery, there's this, there's this whole scene in Numbers where she's given this thing to drink and her, you know, her womb falls out, which if she were pregnant, that would pretty much take care of, of anything it. there. So it's, it, it, you even get within the differing religions, whether it's Christian or Jewish, very different viewpoint. Eighty-some percent of Jews are pro-choice because they don't see anything within their scriptures. They don't read them the same way as many Christians read the same scriptures. And, and let's, just, let's just say right out of the gate, you know, life is sacred, yeah. period. Um, life is absolutely sacred. Um, and I don't think anybody would dispute that. Of course, there's dispute of whether or not, you know, when life begins, blah, blah, blah. Um, which again really complicates things, but you know the bigger point here is just from a from a overall from an overview it's hard to look at scripture on every issue and say this is a definitive um, especially when we look you know in in the United States with the right and the left um, and and that's where you know unfortunately I feel like that gap and that divide just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger um, and we, we retreat into our own corners because those waters are warm and I want to hear those things that reinforce my beliefs. And I don't so much want to um, engage with the other side to understand. Um, now, I, I'll tell you this, I had, I had a, a beautiful conversation um, with a member of our, of our congregation here at Emmanuel last week. 
And we probably are not on the same side politically. I should say probably we're not on the same side politically on a lot of issues. But the beauty of that conversation was that it was a conversation. We were able to talk and I understood you know, her background and her vocation and how it filtered and, and, and enforced her beliefs and, and her feelings. And we were able to actually hold your breath cringe if you want, we were able to actually listen to each other and have a conversation, a meaningful conversation. It's like a relationship where you have a conversation with someone and you know she felt that she was being heard and I felt that I was being heard. And it wasn't even an agree to disagree. Uh, we found those, that common ground and, and this, this conversation was over abortion. So let's face it, that's one of the hot button issues. Um, and the conversation, we agreed that, um, yes, life is sacred, and um, both sides politically um, are in the right and the wrong um, when it comes to abortion, which is really, ugh, it's a topic that you just can't win that discussion. No. Um, but the conversation that, that, that her and I had was, okay, so if we want to really affirm the sanctity of life, it can't just be at childbirth. It has to be throughout, not just in those nine months in the womb and then the first like week outside the womb. You know, what can we put in place to really, really say that life is sacred? Um, and I think that's one of the nuances missing in our political conversation um, across the board, not just with abortion, but with other things as well. Where, where is that area that we can find some common ground Immigration, another hot button issue. You know, should we have, you know, we have to protect our borders and we have to have um, the rule of law. Okay, we're also a nation of immigrants. You know, we're also a nation, and as Christians, we welcome the stranger, we welcome the foreigner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it becomes, well, and I think for most Christians, that interesting line is drawn between wh what our faith dictates and what becomes a, what, what I would call a necessary evil of the state yeah. um, as far as the needing a military, needing those things because of the fact that um, sin does run rampant. It's, again, just that very weird fine line of how do we live it out in a world that is so broken when we know what... We know what the world should be to a certain degree. Of course, I think the other problem is we don't all envision the world the same way. Mm. And I, I, I mean, honestly, I think when you get into the polar opposites on the political spectrum as far as the left and the right, I think there are two different groups that see utopia two very different ways and what that is for them. And so you're running up against um, not only because you're going to find Christians on both the left and the right. Yep. And the problem is, is their vision of what, quote, a perfect society might look like is very different. Um, the more conservative you are, the more you look to kind of a golden age of the past or something that you're trying to, you know, pull and say, hey, that used to, you know, we missed that. Um, what happened to our society that that happened? Um, we've gone way too far to the left, we've gone way too liberal on these things. Whereas you've got your progressives 
who are looking to the future and saying, hey, we're seeing this, this future that is so much more encompassing and broader and, and whatever, and the f problem with that, of course, is that they just completely get rid of all of anything that has come before and that was tradition and call it bad, and it's like, no, there's a balance in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, between being able to look forward and say, yes, things are changing, and change isn't necessarily a bad thing. But can we claim that change is scary? It's horribly uh, scary. I mean, cha I mean, change, we recently moved to this area. We moved from Gainesville, Florida to Palm City, Florida about seven months ago. And you know, it's a change. It's a life change for me. It's a life change for my family. And there are lots of unknowns when there's change. You know, What's this congregation going to be like? I got this pastor I'm inheriting to work with. Oh my God, what's that going to be like? Um, my kids are going to go to a new school. What's that going to be like? And it's scary. We, we spend a lot of time as a family in prayer because it is scary. But you know, there's got to be a little bit of faith too that, um, that we can figure this out with, 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 the, help of, with the help of God and, and processing it with other people and... Um, there's definitely a faith element to it, but let's just claim that change, change is scary. Um, and I get it from, you know, the left is, is afraid of some parts of change and the right's afraid of some parts of change. Um, and maybe that's a common ground. We can, <laughs> we can at least agree that, you know what, change, because if we're not changing, we're dying. Let's be honest, we're all changing and, and the world is changing. And this day and age, the, world, the, the rate of change in the world is, is accelerated. And I think that's part... Um, of the fear for some people as well is that the rate of change is so overwhelming that that becomes sort of something that makes you cling on to things as well. And, and the irony I always find as far as when you talk about um, even you know, within Christianity, the, the more conservative versus the more liberal side is that you're more what I would call kind of conservative denominations happen to be the ones that throw tradition out the window when it comes to their worship. That, that's the part that just kind of um, I, I find really interesting is that the more progressive churches tend to cling to the tradition of the church. And I, I'm not about to get into or even try to figure out why that phenomenon happens. <laughs> but it's... That's, that's I, an interesting observation. Yeah, it's very interesting to me how that, how that has worked because it's, it's the exact opposite of what you would expect, which then opens up the, the door, though, for me to say, so see, we can't really pigeonhole anybody into anything. You can't say, well, this is what this group believes, and this is what this group believes, and they're always diametrically opposed to each other, um, because they're not. But we are living in a time and a world right now where conversation um, has gone out the window. It's, it's about who can yell the loudest, um, and basically scream their point across, um, demean and dehumanize the other comes from both sides. Um, Absolutely. I, I mean, I have, I have seen some of the most vile, horrible things um, spoken. And, and I understand to a certain degree you get frustrated. You get very angry when you're seeing something, especially if you're Christian, you're seeing something that to you is very non Christian. It doesn't fit with your beliefs. It doesn't your fit faith. with your beliefs. Yep. So you start, you know, going, you know, start name calling and going, no, this person isn't Christian. How dare you call yourself a Christian if this is what you're going to espouse? And 
to some degree, there's some legitimacy to that. And to another degree, it's that whole thing you were talking about last week and that log in our own eye and how many things do I do that probably people would look at and say, yeah, you're not being very Christian. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, I, I did, I challenged our congregation last week to, to focus more on whittling away the log in our own eye instead of focusing on the splinter um, in someone else's. And with the caveat that, oh my God, it's hard work. Um, it's hard work to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I messed this up. Wow, I really need to watch. So I, I, will, I will use this, as, this portion of the podcast as a confession. Um, so yesterday, I responded to something um, on Facebook. Um, no boy. <laughs> and, and I hit send, and I immediately did some self-reflection on that comment and went back and deleted it. And it wasn't overly, overly political, but it was, it, was, it was not what I want to be. Um, it is not how I want to express my faith. Um, it is not what I want to put out into the ethos. Um, and I, luckily, you know, I, I, one of the football coaches, I believe it was Herm Edwards, um, said, don't, don't hit send. <laughs> Just don't hit send. Um, and I hit send, um, but luckily, I'm like, you know what, that, that's just, I'm feeding into this and I caught myself and, and, and hit delete. And I'm, and I'm glad that I did. did. Did I agree with what was posted? No. But sometimes we, got, we, get, we get caught up in our emotions and, you know, I was just hanging out with our youth and we were having the discussion about whether or not pastors are better than anyone else. <laughs> um, I know, right? I laughed as well and I said, listen, I said, if you think that that me as your pastor um, belongs on a pedestal or is anywhere close to perfection, um, I got news for you, buddy. We are the cracked pots for a reason, and my pot is just as cracked as anybody else's. But it's, it's an interesting, that's a whole interesting layer there too, where we're talking about whether or not where pastors belong in the spectrum. And I, I think, Rebecca, Pastor Rebecca, you agree with me. It, we're, we are pastors by vocation and sinners by humanity. <laughs> um, part of who we are well and you know we we would be lying if we didn't say our own thoughts and beliefs don't tend to get played out in our preaching etc because obviously we have a thought on we have an interpretation we have an understanding of scripture and that may differ from someone else's understanding and interpretation of uh, any particular scripture and th this is where we fall into just a both huge responsibility because on the one hand we are called to yes call out the evil we're, we're there to call out the things that we see as being antithetical to the christian life to what jesus stood for what jesus was about at the same time, I think we can get a little bit blinded by, okay, we're focusing so much on these issues, but we're kind of silent about this for whatever reason, whether it's just something that's not important to us. I know in my case, a lot of times it's because I'm torn on it. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't give a, a strong opinion or thought about it because I see both sides and it's such a hard topic that it's not because I'm afraid of it, 
but it's because I can easily argue either side and agree with either side and still wind up not being able to come out with a firm statement other than I'm a sinner in need of God's grace. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how many times, and I, I will speak for myself, I write the sermon and it's, it's often the sermon I need to hear as much as I need to preach it. Um, so one of the things from my sermon this morning um, on the, the, the parable of the wheat and the weeds, um, the left is not wheat and the left is not weeds. It's an and. It's not an or. It's an and. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with the right. The right is both, is both wheat and weeds. It's not an or. You know, to, to, to stand on one side and say that, you know, I'll, I'll quote a bumper sticker because that's always good theology, bumper sticker <laughs> theology. But this is, this is in particularly true. Jesus was, a de- Jesus was not a Democrat or a Republican. Um, and I asked, I asked the congregation this, this weekend, um, if Jesus ran for office, could he get elected? Yeah. And it was amazing how many people immediately just started shaking their head. No, which breaks my heart. I mean, I mean it's, it, it's, it's troubling as a person of faith when you think, realistically, can Jesus get elected? And we go, oh, probably not. Well, I and mean, part of that reason is because, you know, when we, we think about it is, is there is a political statement in what we say about Jesus. We say he is Lord. We say he is a king. And we live in a country where we don't have kings. And so it, it's, it's a really, really, or yeah, we're not supposed to have kings. It's a very strange um, allegiance then to, to say, yes, Christ is my king. He's the ruler of everything but I am a strong proponent for, and then all of the liberties and freedoms that uh, the United States allows that may not always be in line with with Jesus as Lord. Yeah. Pastor Rebecca and I were were blessed to hear a lecture by Father John Deere um, a few years ago, who, if you're not familiar with him, I believe is a Jesuit priest um, and uber, uber pacifist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he convicted everyone <laughs> of, much, yeah. in the room on on any kind of political and military action, and as, with Jesus as a pacifist. So I mean, it's all over the place, um, and and it is challenging. So and it, when we started this podcast, and we were originally talking about the separation of church and state, which always leads to one thing, and it's it's probably my biggest pet peeve right now, and that's. Prayer is banned in school. You're not allowed to pray in school, um, which drives me berserk. Um, well, the problem with society is there's not allowed to be prayer in school. Well, I, every, every Wednesday morning, uh, myself and our youth director go to the local middle school for, to meet with a group um, called First Priority. And it's middle school kids, and there's anywhere from 25 to 40 of them. And guess what we do? You pray. We pray. So rest assured that prayer is not banned from school nor absent from school. Um, and I go to that thing every Wednesday as much to be you know, an adult mentor, an adult male mentor, as I do because it feeds me um, to see 40 kids show up to talk about Jesus and, and to pray. And, and that's where though also the difference is that is a voluntary thing that um, students can show up to if they choose to, as opposed to 
being in the classroom and saying, okay, now you have to, this is, this is prayer time and imposing a particular prayer or something along those lines. Um, so I think that that's also a very good distinction to make is that where prayer is allowed, it is allowed, it is voluntary. It's not pushed on anybody. Uh, so if you are a Muslim and you want to go do the same thing that we're doing, you are perfectly welcome to go and do that. And that's what I personally think is um, wonderful about the First Amendment of freedom of expression of religion is that, right. yeah, you can. Both a Muslim and a Christian can have those groups at school that say, yeah, we're going to live out our faith in the public sphere in this way. And I don't see any, like I said, I don't see anything wrong with, with doing that. As I know, one of the big things now, one of the big questions is whether or not to have um, Bible classes uh, offered in schools. And personally, being an instructor of world religions, if it's a world religions course, absolutely. I'm like, you betcha. If they're offering you know, all the different kinds that people can go to and they can learn from, I am all for that. I personally think actually learning about religions and other religions can help you figure out not only how to live in the midst of this society where we have so many different ones, but also to challenge yourself a little bit and say, wow, I maybe don't know as much about my faith as I thought I did. Uh, I get that all the time with a lot of my students who come in and they're mostly, you know, nine times out of ten, they're, they're a Christian background. And we'll go through the Christianity section and they're like, whoa, this is not, you know, I was never taught any of this. I didn't know that that's part of what our history and our beliefs are. Um, so it's, I see the good in that. Where I think it's bad is if the only thing you're offering is one particular religion. And that's where I would draw the line there. Yeah, because then, then you're, you're sort of lifting up that particular religion as this is the religion. And as much as, as, much as um, I love my faith um, and want to spread my faith, I think there's, there's an appropriate time. And I think education is key. And I, I, I use this, this analogy a lot. Your faith is a muscle. Um, and the more we can educate ourselves and the more we can work it out and the more we can put it under some strain and some stress, the stronger it gets. Um, and I think if we just kind of settle back and, and relax a little bit and don't challenge ourselves and don't expand um, and are not lifelong learners, I think that our faith, we're just kind of, we're stuck in it a little bit. And that's, just, that's not to say that, um, they're not, that we don't have faithful people um, but I think if we're really looking to strengthen our faith um, and live out our faith, I think the best way to do that is, is to challenge it. Um, and I know that you know, Pastor Rebecca and I you know, regularly will do that um, in our preaching um, and teaching. I think this podcast is that's one of the aims of the podcast. It allows us to talk about topics that are, yeah, are ridiculously tough and and it challenges and strengthens our faith to be able to have to, to have to talk about topics that are much easier to just put your head in the sand and duck. Um, and we'll get backlash. We'll get, you know, we'll, we'll get the people who are going to be very angry about something we said. Yes. And, and, and that's part of being a public voice. And it's something that 
we signed on for knowingly or unknowingly. <laughs> um, you sign on for that, and and I, I enjoy I enjoy when when someone approaches me and says, "You challenge me with my with your sermon. I have questions. I want to talk more." And it actually becomes a conversation, right? Um, and not a dress down. And I've had. Um, I've had some political dress downs in the in, over sermons in the past, and they were not they were it was not a dialogue, um, and I've grown from that. I, I will say I've I've managed to to grow a lot in over the years over my over my over the last few years of ministry in trying to be that prophetic voice that isn't so far in one direction that you can't be heard, and that's one of the struggles in society right now between the right and the left, um, we, we, we've lost our, our ability to see the person as a person and not a political stance. Um, and we're quick to throw these labels, um, you know, left-wing socialist and right-wing conservative. And okay, those are really nice words or not nice words, depending on your perspective. And it allows us to dehumanize someone and I think if we can, if if we can get back, so let's talk about a core of Christianity. What did Jesus do with people? He sat and he ate with them and talked with them. Um, if we could maybe just inch back towards being able to have a dialogue with someone on the other side, and say, you know, okay, so explain to me why you feel so strongly about abortion, or explain to me why you feel so strongly um, about being pro-choice. Or explain to me why you feel so strongly about immigration. Because if we're able to, able to have those conversations as people and not as political stances, that helps. Um, it, it, it truly, in my opinion, helps to be able to have a conversation. Um, and whether it's over a meal or, or whatever, but to have a thoughtful conversation where we're actually willing to listen and understand um, I think that makes a, a tremendous amount of difference and something that we've absolutely lost in society is the ability to communicate and to listen. Well, and we have lost a lot of communicating one-on-one -on -one as opposed to, and in person, as opposed to hiding behind a screen and a keyboard yep. and you're able to say things. And I know I sometimes am a much better writer than I am speaker. Um, it gives mm -hmm. me the time to coalesce my thoughts and so that's going to come out much better than just a conversation that has the opportunity to be interrupted and everything else and you don't wind up getting your point said and but the problem of course then is that it removes that level of for lack of a better term intimacy of yeah. being able to have an intimate type of relationship conversation with someone else that you're you're one on one you're in person you're actually having to look this person in the eye and talk to them about something that is either deeply painful for them or that is you know they're just it's very passionate about it for some reason or another yeah. and the understanding that people have and hold certain ideas for certain reasons yeah. and a lot of it is based on their experience a lot of it is based on you know how they were raised or something along those lines um, I mean I know I've been all over the the political spectrum throughout my life yep. I, I 
I've been independent, I've been conservative, I've been liberal. Um, a lot of it is dependent on where I've lived. And it's kind of funny because I usually push back against whatever the norm is in the society that I am living in and the community that I am living sure. in. It's when there's too much of this particular idea or thought process, I immediately go, I think we need to hear another side to this. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's it, how it You is. couldn't get elected. No, I would because never get elected. Because they would elected. say you get, you're a waffler. Uh, yeah, I'm wishy-washy um, on that. And, you know, I guess guilty. I, I can be wishy-washy on things because I usually, and maybe this is from my high school days of being in speech and debate and all that kind of stuff, you had to take stances that you may not have even believed in, but that you had to find an argument for and argue it well. And I know as I've gotten older, I do less and less of that. <laughs> um, I, I do much more of, I want to just hear my, my side of things, and I really don't want to hear the other side. And I, yet, wonder, I wonder if that is an age thing as, as, you, as we get older, or if that is more of a state of, of the country where we are right now. Um, because I think that's absolutely true. We want to swim in those warm waters that are familiar to us. Um, because there's some safety there, and and it makes us feel good because we feel like we're right. Um, because we don't want to we don't want to be wrong, and we don't want to feel like we're wrong. We don't want to be convicted. Nobody wants to be wrong. Let's yeah. face it. Nobody wants to. And yet, I I can come right out and say at least the stances that I have hold today, I would have to look back on myself 15, 20 years ago, and say you were wrong, because my my stances have changed. They have altered. Um, as I, and primarily because of how I have grown in my faith, that's how they've altered. Um, as the more, the more I have gotten to know Jesus and the more I have, you know, really immersed myself into having to preach <laughs> his, his word and the awesome responsibility that comes along with that, I no longer have the luxury of holding on to particular beliefs sure. because I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. This actually isn't probably what Jesus would say or do. It's what I would like to say or do, but it isn't what Jesus would say or do. Yeah, I, I, I think, and there's an education piece, and it's not to say that one side is educated and one side is not. Um, for example, my first year in seminary, we had to write a paper um, we had to write a lot of papers. We had to write a paper in particular, and the text that my group was given was um, Peter walking on water. And my thesis was that Peter should have stayed in the damn boat. Like, that was my thesis. Maybe it was a little more flowery than that, but essentially my, <laughs> my thesis was Peter should have stayed in the boat. And I think that might be the text next week in the narrative lectionary. I'm not positive, but I'm not preaching, thankfully. Because my stance was that Peter needed to stay in the boat. And I went through the, the Greek and... Oh man, that was awful. I went through the Greek and I dug into it and, I, and I, I read more sources and kept reading and digging because I wanted so bad to just believe that Peter should have stayed in the boat. And when I got done that work, I had to, my conclusion was that Peter absolutely was right to get out of the boat and Peter needed to get out of the boat and we all need to get out of the boat. But it took me you know, that, that digging and really confronting and researching and, and digging deep on both sides of that, um, of that piece of scripture to realize. And I think the same thing applies with, with the political spectrum, um, the death penalty. I was very pro-death penalty uh, when I was younger, you know, fry them all. And as I got older, 
I'm like, wait a minute, you know, how, how can I, you know, how can, how can I claim, you know, this, this Christ and this, this theology and then say, yeah, well, you, you all need to burn. And, and again, I, you look at both sides and I looked at it financially. Well, it's expensive to, to prosecute um, and to put someone through, through the death penalty. And there's just so many different issues that I've, I've kind of dug into and went, okay, so, ah, wow, it's much more nuanced and much more complex than just saying, I believe in X. Mm-hmm. Because there's a whole alphabet that needs to lead you to that X. <laughs> and, and I think you hit on the main thing is most of these, these issues and the to- these topics are nuanced. They are not nearly as, as cut and dried as we try to make them out to be, that this is right and this is wrong. And somewhere it's, there, there's, there's this muddy middle ground of, yeah, well, there are elements to it of, yes, that are right, but there are also elements to it that are really wrong. And unfortunately, all we ever hear in our little sound clips, you know, from the news or whatever is we just hear the little piece that is going to trigger us in some way, as opposed to looking at the much more deeply nuanced issues of how are we caring for people, you know, looking at who, who tends to get the death penalty, and I'm not meaning just murderers, um, right. what kind, you know, what, what race of people, what, you know, things like that, and is it, um, why is that? And we begin looking at how our society as a whole is so broken. Start peeling back those layers. Yeah, and, and you start realizing this isn't, this isn't that simple. This isn't that, that, that easy. What, what's easy is to grab a hold of something and say, okay, here's what I believe, and by golly, this is how I'm going to just keep going forward with it. Yeah, so, and, so, so in... It, it occurred to me in, towards the end of our second podcast here that there's a common theme in, part, in our first one and our second one. We can't answer anything definitively. <laughs> um, because it is complex, and it's not easy, and it is muddy. So I don't think at the end of this podcast, and it, wasn't, it certainly wasn't our, our goal this, this, um, today to, to say, this is where you need to stand politically, um, I think my prayer for, for you all, for our listeners out there, and thank you for listening and sticking with us through this one, because this is an, another difficult topic, is that we're able to have those dialogues, you know, sort of that, let's hug it out. Um, let's not hide behind our screen. Let's see the humanity in that person that we may not agree with, and let's have that conversation and have it be a conversation where we're actually listening so we can hear each other. We can't solve this problem you know, two pastors with microphones on sitting in a sound room. And I, I don't know that there is a solution, but I think if, if we can just, you know, look, again, look back to, to Christ and, ha- and, and Christ's ministry, and it was always done with conversation and relationship. And let's not forget those relationships, because honestly, that's where we fall apart. We fall apart when we, when we, when we no longer see the person as a person. We see them as a conservative or a liberal. And conservative, liberal, whatever it is, there's some humanity in there. And there's a person in there. If we can get back to listening to that person and caring about each other, I think that takes us a long way. Uh, we may not solve the political divide, but maybe we can at least you know, move closer together as, as a society. Yeah. 
And, and the reality that it also gets frustrating when, yeah, you're willing to listen, but maybe the other person you're in conversation with or trying to have a conversation with isn't. Yeah. And, and, and that's where the breakdown happens, too. Yep. And, and I just want to voice that as where, you know, it sounds so great that, yeah, let's just have these conversations. But you got to realize there are people that they don't want to have a conversation. Yeah. They just want either whether it's you know, their hatred that they want to spew or whatever it is that they want to continue to pound out there. And they're not willing to, to listen. And that's, and, and that's where it becomes, I think, where the polarization starts to come in. Um, is because when you get somebody who is refusing to even acknowledge that, hey, this might be a more nuanced conversation um, or issue, then you've hit that brick wall. And yeah. what do you do in the face of that? Yeah. And, and that's the real... You get bloody. Yeah. And, that's, and I think that's, that's part of where we're at right now, too, is just that, that refusal, the part of some. Yeah. So... All right, well, we didn't solve the world's problems. I'm sorry. Maybe next time. Maybe Stay next tuned. Time. But thank you for listening. Uh, again, if you have any um, questions or comments, you, of course, can comment on the um, podcast itself on the website, or you can send us an email at uh, ipccrackedpots at gmail.com. See you next time. Mm -hmm.